All right. Well, good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing today? Some interaction. How's everybody doing? I missed you guys. How's everyone doing? It's good to see everyone. Um, today, what we're going to talk about, um, we're going to continue our series that we started last week. Um, and the title of the series is called Ian Just Mentioned, um, is Healing Hurts. And I love this topic in general because I feel like sometimes with Lent, you know, it's kind of long and we kind of lose focus. So I like the idea and, and our focus to just be that we're going through this journey of Lent for a purpose, for a healing. Um, and last week we talked specifically about Father Anthony told us that we should set a goal, right? We should have a goal in mind of where do we want to be by the end of Lent. And now every week what we're doing is we're basically following the healer around, okay? So think of um, uh, like the gospels that we're reading in the, in the divine liturgy and also we'll be discussing here at the well, is that we're following the healer around and seeing what is he trying to tell us? What is he trying to teach us about our journey? What do we need? Like what virtue do we need um, in order to, you know, continue on our journey of healing? And if you're like me, last week I, we got super excited, okay? Once, once we start planning for goals, I, I like to plan. Everyone in our house likes to plan. We're planners by nature. Once Father Anthony said, set a goal, I said, okay, we're going to set a goal. I have my plan. I have like my 10-point plan, 100-point plan. I got my backpack ready. I'm going on this journey for healing. We're excited. And I said, okay, second week of Sunday, second Sunday of Lent, where does Jesus take us? Where does the healer take us? So as we just saw in that video that we watched, um, the first thing that we read in today's message is that Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And if you're like me, this is the most anticlimactic thing to setting a goal. Okay. <laughs> like we set a goal, we're ready, we're excited. And here it is. Jesus says, the gospel tells us that Jesus now went to the wilderness to be tempted. This doesn't seem to make much sense. We're on a journey towards healing. I'm excited. You're excited. Why is this the first stop? Why is this like the first pit stop to healing? The church is reminding us that whenever we embark on a journey, whenever we get serious about anything in our spiritual life, you can rest assured, you can be 100% certain that temptation and the tempter is right around the corner. Whenever we get serious about anything in our spiritual lives, temptation is right around the corner to distract us. And if you actually think about it in the context of the story of Jesus himself, what just happened before, before Matthew chapter four here, what did Jesus, what happened to Jesus right before this passage? He's baptized, right? He's baptized in the Jordan. And we hear that in this baptism, something great happened. Something amazing happened. The father himself, God, the father himself said, this is my beloved son. It's an amazing proclamation. The Holy spirit descended on the Son. All these things are happening. It's glorious. You would think the natural next step is for Jesus to now go preach, perform miracles, heal everyone in sight. Like it's the, the pinnacle of like an, in, like a, a beginning to a ministry or a mission. But instead we see that the spirit leads Christ to the wilderness where he is tempted. The question is for us. And like it was for Jesus here. The question is never, will we be tempted? The question is when we are tempted, what's our response? So like that should be our mentality. Always. We set a goal. We're ready for Lent. We want this to be the best Lent ever. We're going to be tempted. What's our response? And lucky for me and you, we don't need to guess. Like I said, we're going to walk every week with the healer and see what his response was this week, especially, I think it's the foundational virtue. Okay. And a lot of like church fathers uh, will talk about the, the virtue that Jesus is teaching us today. That's kind of like the foundation that like the, without this, we can't have anything else really. And we're going to see what this virtue is. 
Um, after we read like the, uh, a few of the passages um, where Jesus and the devil are kind of discussing this temptation and Jesus' response, okay? So the first thing we read is, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Again, he says, If you are the Son of God. Pay attention to this because we're going to come back to this part of, of the temptation. Throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. And Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. I think that our journey, oops, sorry. I think that the, the reason that, that this is the first step in our journey is that Jesus is trying to show us the only way to defeat temptation, the foundational virtue, before we take any steps towards our journey, is through humility. And why humility? Sometimes we look at the story as like good versus evil, like good guy versus bad guy, like all the movies, right? Um, and in a way, that's true. But I think even more than that, it's really pride versus humility. In this story, we see the humility of Christ and the pride of Satan. The humility of Christ and the pride of Satan. Pride is the essential sin that made Satan fall. If you remember the story, Satan was in a very high position. God placed him in a very, very high position, but he wanted to be something greater. He wanted to be something more than even God himself. And that's why he fell. And Jesus does the exact opposite. And, and Satan can't fathom that Jesus would do the exact opposite. And that's why he's kind of confused today. He said, well, if you're the son of God, just do this and that. Like, what's the big deal? He can't fathom that the son of God, that God himself would come down and become man. That's the humility of Christ. And what the devil is trying to do with all these different sins, and there's different like, uh, ways to interpret and understand the temptations, but at their core, what the devil is trying to do is to bait Christ into acting against humility. He's trying to bait Christ into acting against humility. And if you think about it, can Christ take the stone and make a bread? Can Christ... Like, I, he raised someone from the dead, so I think he could take a piece of stone and make a bread. Can Christ fly over stones and, 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 and just do whatever? Yeah. Can Christ own all the possessions of the world, which was that third temptation? He could do all of that. But he says no. He says no to all of it. Not because he can't do it, but that's the humility of Christ. Is that despite being able to do all these things, Christ says, no, I'm not going to do it. Christ could have, A, not even engaged with Satan with the temptations. He could have performed all those miracles. He could have zapped Satan in a second and just been done, with, done away with him. But he doesn't do any of that. He accepts the human experience completely, even though he doesn't have to. Christ isn't interested in showing off his, his you know, uh, uh, miracles. He isn't interested in showing off. He isn't interested in pride. He is showing us that the only way through temptation is through humility. That's the very first foundational step. And I'll be honest, I struggled with this a little bit because when we talk about humility and when we look at God's humility, they're very, two very different things. Okay. Like we talk about humility with God. God's humility is like real true humility. Okay. God's humility is he is God and he became man. Like he is God and he was clothed in the flesh and he didn't refuse any part of the human experience like we saw here today. When me and you talk about humility, what we're really saying is like, I'm actually being honest. I'm being honest about who I am. And we'll discuss why that is later. And what I mean by that is, by our nature, 
we can be anything else. Like we are human. Human literally means, and human and humble are from the same root word. Human literally means of the earth. And that's why when Adam was created, Adam literally means of the earth. Humans, me and you, not in a derogatory way, just factual. We're of the earth. That is our nature. We can't go lower. That, that is who we are. We are of the earth. God, he's divine. And he becomes man. So that's the humility of God. So for God to be humble, it's for him to come down to us. For us to be humble is to recognize who we truly are. So the first step of our journey towards healing, it must begin with humility. If we try any other strategy, if we start anywhere else, if we start with our, with, and it's good to set a goal, but if we start and we want to jump steps and we want to go and we want to do and we want to do all the stuff, if we don't have humility, we're not going anywhere. We're going to just be stuck. So church is kind of stopping us at our tracks today and saying, hey, before you even take one step forward towards, towards humility, uh, excuse me, towards healing, you need to start with humility. Now, when I say humility, we probably have a lot of different thoughts. Like, what, what does it mean to be humble? Um, and I'm not really going to talk today about, like, being humble towards one another, because that's kind of a separate topic, but it's a really important topic. Being humble towards one another, where we put each other first. Today, I, I want our focus of humility to be in my relationship with God and my dealing with Him. What, what, what is my dealing with Him? If I'm really requesting healing during this time, how am I dealing with Christ? How am I dealing with Christ? And again, we take cue from, from Jesus, who is perfectly humble. The temptation of Satan was to tell God, hey, if you are the son of God, then do this, this, and this. What he was really getting at is identity. If you are the son of God, if you, say, if you are who you say you are, we'll take the stone and make it into bread. And he says, no, I'm not going to do that. I think in a way Satan comes to us and does something similar. If you're a child of God, if you're truly a child of God, you can't spend more than five minutes in prayer. If you're truly the child of God, like you, you say, you're a child of God, you're a Christian, you're a follower of Christ. You're really stuck with that same sin. And the opposite is true. He can come and say, look, you're only human. What are you going to do? What's the point of a spiritual struggle? You've, you've been here, done that before. Like, you know, you're going to mess up. What's the point? You're only human. Humility is knowing who we truly are. The reason Christ today was not phased, was not moved at all, not even a little bit. He knew exactly who he was. He is the son of God. He doesn't need to prove anything. He is the son of God. And the same with us. We have to know what our identity is in Christ. So who are we really? And I was thinking about like, what's a good way to summarize? Who are we? I'm talking about like, we must know our identity. And we say like identity in Christ. Who are we? What does the scripture talk when, when it talks about us? What, what does the scripture say? And what does, you know, what does the church teach us in our prayers? Who we are. I am a sinner and I'm a child of God. I am a sinner and I'm a child of God. I am both those things at the same time, always. Okay. I am both those things at the same time, always. And I know once I put this up, some of us, we read, I am a sinner. I don't want nothing to do with that. Some of us, child of God. No, no, no. Not worthy of that. Some of us like to cling on to one over the other. So what we're going to do is a little exercise here. Repeat after me. I am a sinner. Louder. I am a sinner. And I am a child of God. Look to your neighbor and say, I am a sinner. And so are you. I am a child of God. And so are you. 
I bet you didn't think you were going to call anyone sinner today in church, but you're welcome. Okay, that's the first and only time. Okay. This is who we are. This is at the core of who we are. When we say we're being humble and we're trying to find out like what our identity is as human beings today after the fall, this is who we are. We are sinners and we are children of God. We're both of those things at the same time. We can't take one and leave the other. It's impossible. When I say I'm a sinner and I know, you know, we, we get uncomfortable. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Some of us are very comfortable saying I am a sinner to the point where we lead ourselves to despair, to like hopelessness. And that's no good because we forgot I'm a child of God. And some of us do the opposite. We focus on I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God, which is absolutely true. But if I don't recognize my sinful nature, then I'm not going to, what am I going to ask for healing for? If I'm not going to recognize that I need healing to begin with. We have to admit and recognize that we're in desperate need of the healer and that the healer wants to heal us. Those two things are both true always. One of my favorite prayers um, in the church, actually, uh, one I memorized actually when I was younger, and uh, it's a prayer I absolutely love. It's if we have the book of hours in the Orthodox church um, and in the book of hours at the conclusion of every hour, there's a beautiful, beautiful prayer. And the prayer says the following. It says, have mercy on us, O God, and have mercy on us. Who at all times and in every hour in heaven on earth is worshiped and glorified. Christ, our God, the good, the long-suffering, the abundant in mercy, and the great in compassion, who loves the righteous and has mercy on the sinners of whom I am chief. What are we saying in that prayer? We're asking for mercy. We're asking for mercy, right? But we're also saying, Lord, we know you're compassionate. We know you're loving. We know you're a God that truly loves us, that you desire for the sinner to return. We know all those things are true. But we also know that we are ourselves sinners. And in that prayer, we call ourselves the chief among sinners or the greatest among sinners. Seems a bit extreme, seems a bit bold. But that's what the church is trying to teach us. We can't have one without the other. In order to really understand the depth and love and the beauty of God, we have to understand that we're in need of him. And in order to do that, we have to know and acknowledge that we are sinners. And that prayer, by the way, we didn't make up ourselves. That prayer is actually directly from the scripture. St. Paul himself says in 1 Timothy, he says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save or to heal, as we've been talking, sinners of whom I am chief. Who's saying this? St. Paul. If St. Paul is saying, I am the chief of sinners, I'm comfortable saying I'm the chief of sinners. Okay, like, I have no problem saying that. And again, the, the second part, we said, I am a sinner and I am a child of God. The second thing is also very biblical. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. It's a high honor, a high honor to be called a child of God. I don't know where you're at today, and I don't know which one of these you struggle with, but I'm telling you that we need both in order to take our step towards healing. True humility is recognizing who we truly are before God. We can't lower our nature. We're human. We're of the earth. We can't lower our nature. We can't go. That's it. That's who we are. But to be restored, to be healed, to be where God wants us to be, we have to recognize both of those things, that we are sinners and we are children of God. A humble and repentant heart, as we again read in Psalm 50, is, is the heart that God will never turn away from. And that's what he desires for all of us. There's a beautiful um, passage I read semi-recently um, by St. Macarius the Great. St. Macarius is, is, a, is a monk from the early church. And he actually talks about this idea of how God looks at us when, in our sinful nature. Okay. Um, and he says the following. 
Somebody comes up to St. Macarius and says, St. Macarius, I have sinned. I have transgressed. And he says, okay, we'll do this. Repent, therefore, my child. You will see him who is gentle, our Lord Jesus Christ, his face full of joy for you. Like a nursing mother whose face is full of joy for her child, when he raises his hands and face to her, even if he is full of all kinds of uncleanness, she does not turn away from that bad smell and excrement, but takes pity on him and lifts him up, and everything about him is sweet to her. If then this created person has pity for her child, how much greater is the love of the creator, our Lord Jesus Christ, for us? How beautiful is that? That's so beautiful. And I'll be honest, this is, uh, uh, the reason this came to mind is because this is very relatable these days, okay? We have a four-month-old, and you know what? There are times in the day, okay, at, uh, times in the night, I should say, where we wake up groggy, annoyed, frustrated. I'm confessing here. I'm being honest, okay? Wake up three in the morning. You're annoyed. You're frustrated. Oh, baby's crying. She needs to change, and you're just barely, like, eyes open, and you're doing whatever, and maybe the diaper goes on the head or in the right place. We don't know what's going on. And you look at her. And you love her. Why? I don't know. She's not adding any value. <laughs> She's actually adding disturbance to my sleep. I don't know. And she might give you a little smile, and you're like, okay. Like, how can I not love this child? I love this child. What am I supposed to do? And if I, silly me, in my frustrated, like I'm a frustrated, angry, not great person, can look at my child that way, why do we think God is any less? How much greater is the love of the creator, our Lord Jesus Christ, for us? St. Macarius is trying to teach this person that asked him and is trying to teach us that the key, the key to our healing is humility, is knowing who we are, that we are sinners, and that's why he says repent, but also we're children of God, that God loves us as children. So that's the key thought for today is our first step must start with humility, and humility is knowing who I am, who my, what my identity truly is, that I'm a sinner and a child of God. Now, what I wanted to do was just go through some um, quick, small, like, uh, practical steps, and I would challenge all of us that throughout the journey of Lent, that we are clothed with humility by applying these practical steps. These are very simple, very simple. Um, not all the times easy, but they're simple, okay? So we're going to go through these one by one. The first thing, and probably the most important thing, I need to continually remind myself that I am the patient, not the physician. I am the patient, not the physician. Why this is important? We set a goal. At the end of last week, we said we're going to, start a, we're going to set a goal. Where do I want to be by the end of Lent? And that is fantastic. And we're going to do everything in our power to do that. But at the end of the day, I am a patient. I am not a physician. I am not the one who's going to create healing in my life. What my job is, is to follow doctor's orders. That's my job. I look to the physician. I go to him humbly and I say, Lord, what do you want me to do? I follow doctor's orders. I believe in the process and I move forward. That's it. That's very simple. And this is sometimes hard if you're a doer and you're like me and you like planning and steps and all that stuff. This can be very difficult because we often want to be in control. We want to take things into our own, our own hands. But this is not your area of specialty and it's not mine. We go to the healer to be healed. He's the physician. And sometimes we don't understand his ways. Sometimes we don't understand the steps he takes to get us there to be healed. But the key is to remain in his presence as long as possible and trust that he is the healer and the physician and not us. We're the patient. So that's the first thing. 
I'm remembering that I am just the patient. I'm not the physician. I'm going to do my part, of course. I'm going to be in the presence of the healer. But my job is to, to, to follow doctor's orders um, and not to heal myself. That's the very first step. Second one, even a little bit more practical. Don't be quick to dismiss criticism. And this is a hard one. And I would say when we're, when we're talking about humility especially, and again, we're talking about recognizing who we truly are. We are both sinners and children of God. If the Holy Spirit is nudging us towards something, because criticism can come from like the Holy Spirit. Criticism seems like such a harsh, a harsh word. Um, but in reality, it's just saying something that I'm doing that I need to correct, that I need to align myself more with the will of God. It's easy for us to get defensive. If somebody says something to us, it's easy for us to get defensive. If, if I feel like God is trying to push me in a way that I don't want to go. But the problem is, is if we do that, we are avoiding a golden opportunity for healing. If we dismiss criticism too easily, we might be avoiding an opportunity for healing. Now I'll say sometimes the criticism is not justified. Okay. Not all criticism is good. So we need to use discernment, but don't be quick to dismiss it. Give it a chance. Let it settle. And it shouldn't shake you because you know your identity. We are both what? Sinners and children of God. If I know I'm a sinner, then of course there's going to be criticism along the way. Of course I'm going to make mistakes. And the last one, don't be afraid to confess your sins. And this one, I want to take some time here a little bit. Confession to me, and I'll, again, I'll speak personally here. Um, to me, confession has been one of the most impactful things in my spiritual life. Okay. Um, and I know a lot of us are not so uh, comfortable with the idea of confession. Some of us might be, but some of us are not comfortable with the idea of confession. I can only maybe count on my like one hand that the most impactful things or the most impactful like habits um, that have impacted my spiritual life. And for sure, confession is one of them. And when I say confession, um, I'm definitely talking about confessing to like a priest, but even more than that, um, or not more than that, but in addition to that, I also mean fess up when you're wrong, when you're wrong, admit it to whoever you've wronged. You know, maybe it's a sibling, maybe it's a, a parent, a child, maybe it's a spouse, a coworker, if I'm wrong, admit it. It's good for you. And honestly, it's good for your relationships because no one likes someone who's stubborn. No one likes someone who refuses to admit that they're wrong. If you can think to yourself, people that you have probably um, uh, had a really hard time getting along with, it's usually people that could not admit that they were ever wrong, that they hated admitting that they were wrong. Again, if we refuse to do this, we might be missing an opportunity for healing. And if you really, really delve deep into this idea of confession that the church has given us and that we practice in our day-to-day -day lives, confessing or admitting I'm wrong, there's no logical reason, if you really boil it down, there's actually no logical reason to fear confession. There's no logical reason to fear confession. Like for me to admit that I said something I shouldn't have said to my wife. There's no logical reason for me to then fear going and saying, hey, I made a mistake, I'm sorry. There's no logical reason. Everyone already knows you're a sinner. We just all confessed it and proclaimed it to each other. Okay. We, everybody knows that you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Everyone knows. So there's no logical reason. Like we all make mistakes. It's common. But also God himself knows. Like, are we hiding something from God? God himself already knows. So there's no logical reason. The thing that keeps us away from confessing, if we're being honest, is the opposite of the virtue we're talking about. We're talking about humility. The opposite is 
our pride, our ego being a little hurt. But the reason pride is there is again, because we have forgotten about our identity, our identity that we are both sinners and children of God. These three things I think can help us practice and practically engage um, with this virtue throughout the season of Lent. And you continually remind myself, I'm just the patient. I'm not the physician. I'm not going to quickly dismiss criticism. And I'm not going to be afraid to confess because it's not logical. I already know that I'm, I'm flawed. I'm a flawed human being. I'm capable of making mistakes. But I also know I'm a child of God. And God is not going to turn away from me like St. Macarius um, told us. What I want to do is uh, end here with one of my favorite parables that Jesus gave. Um, and I think it can be an example for us throughout the journey uh, of Lent. Um, so we're going to read it quickly together here, and then we'll wrap up. Two men went up to pray, to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and another a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and, quote, unquote, prayed. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then Jesus concludes and says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I didn't read the, the verse 9 in that passage, but the reason Jesus gives this uh, a parable is because there were a lot of people around him that were looking down on other people. Okay, They were being prideful. So Jesus tells them this um, unique parable. What's the difference between the Pharisee and the tax collector? On the surface, Pharisee's kind of right. He's right on the surface. He's not like the tax collector. He's not out there robbing people. He's not doing anything wrong. If you were to really boil it down and why Jesus is, is highlighting the humility of the tax collector is because as bad as the tax collector is, he knows his identity. He's not delusional. He knows exactly who he is. He says, Lord, have mercy on me. That's what he goes in the temple and says. He's acknowledging that he's a sinner, but also he's going to God because he's recognizing he's a child of God. Both those things are true at the same time. If he thought that, hey, I'm just a sinner, I'm not a child of God, why go to the temple to pray? If he recognized, oh, I'm a child of God and I don't have any sins, why ask God for mercy? The Pharisee is acting as if he's the physician. He's acting as if he's his own healer. He's acting like he needs nothing. He went to the temple and forgot that he was a sinner, like all other men. And that's why Jesus today highlights this passage and highlights um, the, the, the tax collector over the Pharisee. Humility is the first step to open our hearts to God and allow him to heal. Without this first step, the journey of Lent has stopped right here. But if we open our heart and we say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I know I'm your child. So you heal. Then I promise God will be faithful. I promise that God will work in our lives. I don't know the ways that God is going to work. It's not my job to determine the ways. I'm not the physician. I'm just a patient like you. Me and you are both in the same hospital. We're all patients. 
But what I can promise is that when we go to God with this attitude and with this humble spirit, this humble heart, like the tax collector today, that we can trust that God will guide us and lead us as long as we stick with him. Let's stand up for prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you so much for your love towards us, for your abundant love, Lord, for your compassion, for always leading us, Lord, for always loving us truly like like we are your children, even though we are not even close to being worthy of being your children, Lord. We recognize, Lord, who we are, that yes, we are sinners, and yes, we are your children, Lord, all at the same time. And we're so thankful, Lord, that despite all our mistakes, all our flaws, that you still love us, that you still care for us, that you still want to heal us. Lord, I pray that for myself and for everyone here, that, that this period of Lent um, truly be a reviving and healing period for all of us, Lord, and that you're the one that's guiding us, that you're the one that's healing us, Lord. Oh, the true physician. Lord, you are the one that's in control of everything in our lives, and we hand everything to, to you, Lord, and we humbly ask that you work in our lives during this period. We ask, Lord, that you hear our prayers through the intercessions of all your saints. Here says, we pray thankfully, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us here today. You can find us on any social media platform and feel free to share a message that inspires you with your family and your friends. If there's anything we can do for you, please visit our website and let us know how we can help or even how can we pray for you. If you aren't receiving our weekly email, please click the Stay Connected button on our website. Thank you again and please have a great day.